Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of both Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Uh, Keaton, welcome back to the show. Yeah, good and happy to be here uh, fresh off a blistering of the Toronto Blue Jays uh, on a holiday for them, no less. But uh, that, was, that was a fun baseball game to watch. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, they they definitely handled those Toronto Blue Jays. We're recording this after the 12-2 to victory, uh, a day later than you're used to this podcast coming out. So, uh, you know, slight delay there, but um, huge victory for them. They've got a four-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays right now. And we, uh, we've we got a whole bunch to catch you guys up on after uh, the week that was in Red Sox baseball. Um, and we're going to do that today. So on today's show, um, which is going to be your May 21st edition of the show, um, we're going to discuss the state of the team, including some changes in the bullpen, um, some surprising offensive performers, and uh, then we're kind of throwing it over to you guys. You did such a good job giving us questions today um, that this is pretty much going to be a giant mailbag episode. Um, but the thing that I want to kick off with, Keaton, is uh, the back end of the bullpen, um, which uh, has been has become a little bit more defined as of late. Um, we know that Matt Barnes has been there. He's been great all year. Um, Brandon Workman's been really solid all year. Ryan Brazier has been super up and down. In fact, he's been worse than he has been good uh, recently. But the guy who has emerged as a true... Um, back of the bullpen option and is finally being used as such as Marcus Waldman. Yeah, and I'm pretty happy to see that. The, um, Brazier's last few outings in particular have been a bit rocky, <clears throat> I guess today notwithstanding. Um, so that's it kind of started to lead me to believe that the, the bullpen was falling back into the, not, not really old habits, but what we thought it would be coming into the season. Um, but now that Walden is getting more of those later inning high leverage situations, I'm much happier with that. And, you know, the outcomes can't really argue with it. They've been on a pretty good tear minus uh, a little bit of hiccup there against the Astros, but you know, that's Astros are a pretty good ball club. Yeah, they, they sure are. And, uh, Walden, um, this is this comes a little bit of a change for him because what we had seen is basically a Marcus Walden had been piggybacking off of Hector Velasquez starts or whomever was in there uh, to to start those games um, when they were going with sort of a bullpen approach and he'd come in and throw like two or three good innings but um, you know a lot of times after those guys they're either not in a position to win the game or. You know, those innings just aren't as important as some of the other innings that they've had. And now they've been really using him as a true fireman the same way that they've been using Barnes. And this has really been over the last week or so. Um, and he came in and had no issue uh, in Sunday's game against the Astros um, taking care of business for almost two innings against those guys, against the heart of the order, induced two double plays, um, Comes out of that thing with a 1.370 ERA on the year, and he's uh, currently first among true relievers in that bullpen in terms of innings pitched right now at 26.1. So, uh, just can't say enough good things about the the work that Walden's done and what he's meant to the pen. Yeah, he's been a gem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it it does seem that uh, one of the guys who's sort of right in the middle of this bullpen. 
uh, right now in terms of how he's being used is Heath Hembree. He's not quite in that top group. I'd say kind of right now it's Brazier above Hembree. Um, but those guys are all a clear step in front of the Tyler Thornburg, Colton Brewer, Ryan Weber group. What are your thoughts on that little bottom trio there? Um, who do you like sticking around and who are you looking to fire off into the sun? Uh, well, fire off into the sun would be Thornburg. I've seen enough. I'm good. <laughs> so I'd, we've, I think for the past few weeks, we've seen enough. But like a game like today, sure, use him just to get you to the end because you know you have it wrapped up. But I don't want to see him <clears throat> anywhere near the stadium against teams like Tampa, New York, and Houston. You can just leave him at home for those series. But um, Brewer is interesting. He's someone that I feel like he should be better than he is. But it just kind of hasn't put it together yet. And he has had glimpses where he's been okay. But I don't feel good at any point when he's coming in yet. But I don't I don't think I'm ready to give up on Brewer yet. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on him. But I think with some more development, I guess... I think that he could he could be someone that we can rely on in the second half of the season, but I I'm not sure I can commit either way at this point with him. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh pretty non-committal with what I've seen <clears throat> from from Brewer. Um, <clears throat> and the big reason why is just the walks are just out of control right now. He's he's walking almost six guys per nine at this point. Last year with the Pods, it was six and a half guys per nine. Um, it's sort of been the tale of his career is that his FIP has always been so much better than than his actual ERA because the dude just doesn't know where the ball's going. Um, he doesn't really strand guys all that well. Um, the stuff can be electric. I agree with you. I'm just not sure that he understands or knows how to harness it, and I'm not positive that the best place to figure that out is in the you know, in the Red Sox bullpen, uh, while you're four games back in the division leaders, uh, right now. So, um, I think he's there because there aren't any better, clear, clearly better options at this point that are on the 40 man. Um, but I wouldn't hesitate to replace him, uh, at really any time. I mean, he's got a five, six ERA. Um, not great. <coughs> no, it isn't. And yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I think I, I think you're right though. Good place for him to figure it out would be in in AAA, but they don't have anybody else that they can use. Yeah, yeah. There's really not a whole <clears throat> lot there. When you look down at AAA, like uh, I mean, for guys on the, the 40 man, Travis Lakins not having a great year down there. Bobby Pointer, we know what Bobby Pointer is. It's not that impressive. Maybe you want to give Josh Taylor a chance, um, but Josh Taylor has a lot of the same issues that Colton Brewer has with control, so I don't know that that's better. The only one I think that could be better is, you know, clearly better is if um, they decided to add Mike Schwarin to the to the 40-man and transition him to a bullpen role, but I don't think they're really that willing to do that at this point because they don't have a ton of starting pitching depth either, so... They're kind of kind of stuck at this point, 
And I think a possibility could have been Durbin Feltman or Darwinson Hernandez, but I think both of those guys have a ton of work to do. We talked about uh, Durbin's struggles uh, last Friday on the Locked On Red Sox podcast, Matt and I, um, and he's just not really dominating at all. He's actually getting dominated a lot of the time at AA right now, which is a little bit concerning. Yep, that is. Um, he kind of cruised through everything that came his way last year, and um, I haven't done much of a deep dive on him, but he's one that I would like to because um, in the preseason I said that he he could be the savior of the bullpen coming up here in the second half, but uh, I thought he would have a much better run at double A than he has been, so I'm curious what his issues have really been. Yeah, I, I need to do, I need to do some more research into him as well. It just seems like he's he's getting hit too hard for a guy with that type of stuff. So I'll be curious about him. Um, the one guy that I wanted to talk a little bit about though is Ryan Weber, who's been kind of kicking around the back end of this bullpen. He has been performing really well though when he's been in. Um, he's got an ERA of 1.13 right now, and his FIP certainly doesn't back that up. He's got a 3.72 FIP at this time. Um, but he has changed his pitch mix, which I think is notable. Um, he's gone from being basically a 70-75% fastball guy um, to about 50% with the fastball, and uh, he's got his changeup usage all the way up to 22%. Um, and that combo has been working for him uh, when he's appeared in games. So I wonder if what they've got with Weber is anything that uh, you know might – might continue to be successful here. It's uh, it's obviously not overpowering. The fastball's 89 and the changeup's 80, but he seems like he's got a good knack for being able to locate uh, his stuff. He's never had a problem with walks. It seems like he's sort of a control-first guy. Yeah, that's really the key. I mean, his walk per nine um, so far this season, 1.13, and that's pretty much been in line with where he was with his previous teams. He's not going to get a bunch of strikeouts, but if you can control the way that he's controlling, you can keep the ball down. You can induce grounders when you need to. You can uh, keep the ball in the park, which is pretty key for relievers. So, yeah, I mean, why not? Why not give him some more run? Yeah, and, uh, you know, this this guy was not uh, completely uh, a non-prospect either. I mean, Ryan Weber, a few years ago, People thought he could be a back-end sort of starter, um, and it certainly hasn't worked out that way, but, um, you know, he's an interesting guy. He is. Um, all right, let's move on to talking about the offense here a little bit. Um, Vasquez and Devers are the two guys I want to touch on uh, right away. Um, Christian Vasquez, uh, do you want to guess what his weighted runs created plus is right now? Sure. This has become a fun segment. Yes. I'm going to guess 121. You are 10 points off. You want to guess the direction? Uh, I mean, the way he's been going, I would say I'm short. Yep. He's got a 131 <laughs> WRC plus at this point. Uh, basically, this puts him uh, right behind Chavis, Betts, and J.D. Martinez on the team, and he's basically neck and neck with Xander Bogarts. Uh, in terms of how he's been hitting this year. It is so weird, but Vasky is batting 337, three, or, uh, I should say 316, 363, 535. 
uh, on the year. Uh, he is the single biggest surprise <laughs> of the season. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's just wild. I know that we mentioned him like two weeks ago. We were kind of like, hey, look at this. Here's a guy with five home runs who shouldn't be batting 300. Um, but, you know, the, the changes that we s- sort of spotted in his profile uh, have, have sort of been maintained here, and it seems like he really is taking a completely different approach to hitting than he had in the past. So, I mean, if he can keep this up, that adds a crazy dynamic to this already good lineup because now all of a sudden you've got everybody in the lineup basically hitting except for Jackie Bradley Jr., and even Jackie had his, had a poke, uh, what was that, today. Today he had one. Yeah. So his first one. So maybe he's getting off the schneid too, and then all of a sudden, like, this is, this is I mean, it's not quite Astros level lineup, but, I mean, it's it's not that far off either if everybody's going. No, it's not. And um, really, I mean, we've mentioned it before that the past couple seasons we've kind of – accepted the fact that we're not going to get anything out of Jackie's brat, Jackie's bat and whoever the catcher is, uh, minus some Leon heaters. But, I mean, if he, like you said, if this is consistent, this adds a whole new dimension to the lineup that was already a pretty terrifying lineup last season. But now if you're adding another element to that where you're actually getting hits and power from the catching position, that's... uh it's quite a monster for opposing teams to deal with. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, it's pretty exciting. I mean, certainly high on the list of shit I did not expect to happen this year. Um, and I think, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna touch on it a little bit, but you know, the other guy that's just crazy is is Chavis. And also, I did not expect that um, Mitch Moreland would be leading the team with 12 home runs at this point in the season either. That's been kind of shocking. It has been, but um, I don't think it's the amount of power that he's shown because he showed at the beginning of last year that you know this is kind of what he can do. I think I'm more surprised with some of the other bats not being more lockstep with him in that department. But that's also kind of a good thing because it's been – pretty evenly spread out where the majority of the power isn't just coming from uh, Moreland, Betts, and Martinez. We got Bogarts launching triple-decker shots. Uh, Devers seems like he's got his power stroke back. Chavis already has nine homers. He's played 26 games. (laughs) So uh, it's a well-rounded power lineup that has been a, a nice surprise here for the Red Sox. Yeah, it really has. Um, uh, the the other guy that sort of stood out to me over the past week, and really it's been more than just the past week, but uh, he had a hell of a game today too. It, but it's Rafael Devers, who's currently got a 120 WRC plus, um, which seems a little bit low for how hot he's been actually. He's got four home runs on the year. He hit a bomb 445 feet today, at basically at the end of the game in garbage time. Um, Maybe the most shocking stat of all for him is his six stolen bases, and we did get a listener question about his six stolen bases too. Uh, he had another steal today. Um, what do you make of this on-base machine sort of 
stealing bases Rafael Devers that we have right now because he is a big boy to be moving all over the place like he is. He is, but I like it. I like that he's pushing the envelope, and um, it's actually like today it turned into a run that was the go-ahead run, I believe, at the time. Um, forced an off-line throw that allowed Bogarts to trot home from third. And uh, I like that he's taking chances, and it's been <coughs> it's been refreshing because there we're used to seeing the Red Sox on the base pass taking chances and running into outs. Uh, but he's a much better instinctive base runner than I gave him credit for because he's picking his spots really well. And he's pushing the envelope when he needs to, and he's making good things happen. And it's the six steals is mighty impressive. And he actually has more steals than uh, Mookie does, which is kind of funny. Yeah, and he's only been caught stealing three times, which I would anticipate for someone his size he would be caught more frequently. But he's, he seems to do a decent job of getting reads. I mean, it's still... Uh, you know, not the greatest percentage in the world. It's not like Jackie Bradley, who every time he attempts a stolen base, he pretty much gets it. But, um, yeah, it's it's nice to see that he's adding an element, and I don't think that a lot of teams are really preparing for him as a runner. So I think that, you know, if, if they catch on to that, we'll probably lose a little of this stolen base fun from Devers. But at the same time, if that goes away, um, I think it's pretty clear that he's sort of starting to find that home run stroke. Um, too. I mean, you, you can't hit many balls farther than the the one that he hit today. And if we're talking like average exit velocity, is this this guy is an exit velocity darling? Yeah, top eight percent of the league, which is really impressive. And that's his uh, hard hit rate's been top seven percent of the league. He is crushing absolutely everything that's thrown his way, and his sprint speed is in the forty fifth percentile. So it's pretty decently below average. But uh, that just kind of goes back to his instincts, what he's been able to do in picking and choosing his spots has been really impressive. Just that added with his launch angle now is up uh, over 7 degrees, which is uh, it's not quite league average, but when we talked just a short time ago, it was about half that, and that was causing a lot of his problems at the plate. Um, and now that he's back to putting the ball in the air, Good things are happening, and that's what really led to his massive run to, uh, at one point, be leading the American League in batting average, which is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, he had a couple bad days that got off of that, but I mean, yeah, it's it's been pretty impressive. I was kind of shocked to look up uh, after that day. I think he was batting three three sixty or three thirty six at the time, and yeah. I was just like, uh, what? Devers leading the league in batting? Um, and like we know he has that capability, but. He's he's really starting to put it together on the offensive side. Uh, I asked Jen McCaffrey at the beginning of the year uh, on the Locked On podcast if she thought that Devers would take a bigger step forward offensively or defensively this year, and she pretty confidently said offensively, and uh, that turned out to be very true. Um, certainly his defense, I think, is better when he's playing well offensively because I think he's more engaged, but um, yeah, that offense is just markedly different than what we saw from him last year oh yeah for sure let's talk about where these guys are in the division though because um you know i I remember us being just psyched that they were able to bring it up to 500 uh after 
the entire first part of the year where we were just trying to you know get this get this uh, sinking ship under control but all of a sudden the Red Sox are 25 and 22 just four games back of the Yankees uh, in the division um, Keaton how differently are you feeling about this team than you were I don't know two three weeks ago oh completely different um there's a lot of factors that kind of went into that. I mean, the Red Sox pitching figured it out. The hitting really kind of took off. But the Rays have taken a mighty step back over their past few games. I mean, they were they had a chance to really put both the Red Sox and the Yankees away, and they let the Yankees creep back into it now. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> um, but I, I feel like... Um, there's a real good chance that, you know, in a couple of weeks we'll be either right there with the Yankees or have first place back. Um, just the direction that the Red Sox were going, it didn't feel like they, not that they didn't want to turn it around, but nothing was going right in pretty much every facet of the game. And now it's completely flipped to where this is kind of the team we expected. So now having that team back and uh, the Yankees injuries did kept them from really kind of building up any kind of lead. The Rays taking a pretty decent step back. It's I still think that the Rays are going to be a pesky team to deal with, but I feel much better about this three horse race now and the Red Sox chances within it than I did a couple weeks ago for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that that glass now injury um, to the Rays was just really cri- crippling to those guys. Um, I think they'll get around it. Obviously, I don't. I don't know if there's any team that's better set up to get around things like that with all their, you know, guys who can come in after openers like Jalen Beeks and Yanni Chirinos and and fill those gaps. Chaz Rose, another one, um, but. I mean, only having Blake Blake Snell and Charlie Morton at, at the front of that puts a, a lot more pressure on that bullpen and really is going to tax that depth that the team has. Um, and the fact that they claim Travis Darno um, and are playing him at catcher too, while, while uh, what's-his-name-is-out, Zunino is out, just kind of shows you that they're not deep everywhere. Um, I still like their lineup, but I like the Red Sox lineup quite a bit better. I like the Red Sox starting pitchers yep. better. Um I don't know. I, I like the Red Sox better at this point than I like the Rays. Um, I think the Yankees are skill, still the scariest team out there. Um, Domingo Herman pitching as well as he has this year has been kind of shocking to me. Uh, yep. That I mean, th- he has basically done <clears throat> what Severino was expected to do. Um, he's basically he is Severino essentially, uh, which is just crazy to me. Um, Hap has been bad. CC's been inconsistent um, at times. They're actually going with an opener, which is hilarious, uh, with Chad Green actually serving as their opener. Uh, I don't know if he did that or he's going to do that. I think he is going to do that. Or no, maybe he did that yesterday, I think. Um, <clears throat> so they're dealing with some depth issues themselves right now. But you have to just look at that Yankees lineup and – the, the fact that they're still doing it with all these people out is just, it's kind of scary. It is. And I think that might be one of the bigger surprises, the fact that essentially they have an all-star team on the IL, but they were still winning games. And I think Domingo Herman has been a huge piece of that. And I don't, I don't really know 
how much they're going to come back to earth. I feel like their current pace seems something that once they kind of keep working through these injuries, that this is that's the pace that we're going to have to overcome. Yeah, and I think they can. I mean, the thing that's on the Red Sox side is certainly health, and there's a long way for the Yankees to go until they get healthy. They're not going to see Miguel Andahar again. Uh, <clears throat> Judge and Stanton will be back at some point. Didi will be back at some point. Um, Paxton will be back at some point. But other than that, I mean, there's not – there's there's a lot of guys who seem like they're either going to be out for the entire year or are no sure thing to come back. Um, so healthy – I still, I still think I like the Red Sox uh, lineup and uh, pitching just as much, if not more, uh, than I like the Yankees. So I also feel way better about this team than I did a couple weeks ago. Yep. The Red Sox have themselves quite a test here. I mean, we got through this first series with the Astros, but we have another one. With, we got three games set against the Astros this weekend, and then we got three with Cleveland, um, who are a game ahead of the Red Sox right now, and then a four-game set against the Yankees. Uh, and then a little bit of a break with a three-game set against the Royals, and then a four-game set with the Rays. Yeah. So this is a pretty brutal stretch for the Red Sox, especially with no days off. Yeah, that's what we call the gauntlet right there. That's, yeah. Uh, or sorry, they have one day off and a doubleheader in there somewhere. Yeah, that's that's pretty serious right there. Not something uh, you're going to take lightly. So they'd better take care of business here against these Blue Jays. And I was uh, I was chatting with Matt Collins earlier today on the Locked On Red Sox podcast, and um, we were talking about that Toronto lineup, especially because Vlad sat today as we recorded this. Um, that lineup has nothing, nothing at all in it. Like, it is the emptiest lineup I think I've seen since I pulled up Cleveland's roster. Um but it's even more empty because there's no Lindor and there's no Jose Ramirez on that team. There's literally no one. Um, and I was like, well, what about Tay Oscar? And Matt was like, well, Tay Oscar's been sent down. So, yeah, there's there's nothing. So they got to win those games. And um, while Toronto has <clears> been <throat> kind of pesky with their with their starting pitching, I don't think that bullpen really scares anybody. And man, you should be able to. I mean outscore that offense any day of the week. Absolutely. And really, outside of Guerrero, all their lineup is full of fourth outfielders and empty power. That's all they have. That's not a great combo. No. Especially since their entire out- current starting outfielder is just a bunch of fourth outfielders. And then, like you mentioned, Tay Oscar, before he was sent down, was just another fourth outfielder kind of guy. So... <laughs> Yep, gotta torment those Jays, and uh, yeah, gotta do it now. Gotta imagine that like Strowman's gonna get traded at some point, probably Sanchez too. I mean, they should. That thing is in full teardown mode. I feel bad for for Vlad, but he's just gonna have to have a couple empty seasons of putting up like forty five home runs and batting three hundred in that lineup. He's gonna get a lot of walks. Let's just say. Yeah, it's gonna be a, a lonely time until. Bichette gets there with him, and then at least he'll have a friend to walk through the misery with him. Yeah, hopefully Kevin Biggio, too, <clears throat> soon. For those yeah, that's right. Him, too. Um, we're going to take a quick break here, give you a word from our sponsor, and when we come back, we're going to uh, touch on all of your awesome mailbag questions and just run through those. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we have mailbag time now. Uh, we got 
bunch of great questions today. I tried to kind of group them by uh, their theme, so let's just kick it right off. Our first one comes from Titletown Sports. Uh, says, people talking about the turning point for the Sox. Surely it's the Chavis call-up, no? Also, right after that, we got one from Zach that says, what happens to our season if Chavis doesn't come up uh, and put on a clinic? So let, let's just start this off, Keaton. First of all, is the Chavis call-up the turning point of this season to you? I think it's part of it. I don't know if there's necessarily one thing that we could pinpoint and say that was it. Um that certainly was huge because he has filled an absolute void in the infield and in the lineup. But there was, I mean, just the first, what, three weeks of the season, we weren't getting anything out of Mookie, weren't getting anything out of Devers. The guys that we were, you know, supposed to be getting stuff out of had started to turn it around before, like right before Chavis got there. So I don't think it was just his presence alone that kind of was the catalyst, but it certainly helped jumpstart things that had already been in motion. Uh, and then Chris Sale kind of riding the ship and uh, Porcello being able to lock down the um, the starting rotation and while the other guys were kind of figuring it out. It seemed like a lot of things converged at the same time. So I think he's part of it, but I think it was a collective, everybody kind of taking a look at themselves like, guys, this is pretty pathetic. We should be better than this. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree that it was multiple things, but I do think that I agree with these guys in that it was the the kind of the biggest, most unexpected thing. Like when when Chavis got the call, I think all of us were kind of like, all right, cool. Like Chavis is up. We get to see what he can do with the bat. And I think that we were pretty noncommittal about whether or not he was going to remain up with the team. He was going to have to play super well. And the fact that this young rookie came in with sort of the swag that he had and the moment has never been too big for this guy the whole time that he's been up with the team. Um, just hitting jacks and fitting in the clubhouse and, you know, those 400 plus feet moonshots that he hits are just a joy to watch. And I think it just pumps everybody up. And um, I get the sense that he wants this really, really bad. You know, some guys... Some guys like the idea of being a baseball player, I think, a lot more than they actually like being a baseball player. But, like, you can tell from watching Chavis on that bench that he craves knowledge from all those guys around him who have done it before at the highest level about how to be the best. And I think that that, like, hunger that he brought to this team has really kind of infected the rest of the team um, in the most positive way possible. It's not only what he's been doing at the plate. You mentioned kind of what he's been doing in the dugout. Um, you're absolutely right about that. His personality has been great glue for that clubhouse. And he started picking up the, uh, writing down all his notes from his at-bats from Jenny Martinez. And he even memed himself on uh, his own Twitter feed. with yeah, one was pretty good. The pictures, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been a, he's just been kind of that loosey-goosey uh, chemistry guy, as well as just destroying things on the, on the field that really was a good jolt for them. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the best. And, you know, there's a good chance that without <clears throat> Davis, uh, this team is not over 500 yet at this point, And we're having a very different discussion. So yeah, he was, he was awesome and huge. Uh, Will Wickwist, who's been listening to our pod forever. Um, so Will, what's up, buddy? Thank you. Um, asks, uh, why wasn't the pod recorded yesterday? 
Um, pod was not recorded because I was in travel hell. Um, I was in New Mexico and my flight got canceled and I had to like switch airlines and get redirected through Denver and then go Denver to Boston and anyway I hated my life. So um, that is why. Um, but now I'm back, so you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, I'm in Colorado, except I don't get to see any of it, except the inside of an airport for 20 minutes while I sprint to my next gate. Um, so, yeah, that was my experience. Uh, JJ the Jet asks us the next one. He says, on a scale of 1 to 10, if JBJ's bat is a 1 and his glove is a 10, how many points are you taking away from his glove to add to his bat? Ooh, kind of like a... Uh, like a MLB the show, like making your own character here. Um, how much would you take away from that bat to add to that glove, if any? I was going to say it's conditional because if Vasquez keeps hitting and the other eight bats in the lineup are destroying, then I want his gold glove defense just to stay the way it is. Yeah. I I mean, I'm, I'm kind of tempted to, to say no points because, like, all right, so let's just say I take him down to a seven on his defense and add four point or three points, giving him a four and a seven. Like, I don't care. Like about a four bat. You know what's a four bat? Like a, a four bat, I think is probably probably um, where he should be at, like two forty, two thirty. Right. Like he's already <laughs> a four bat a lot of the time, and a seven seven out of ten defender just isn't Jackie anymore. So. Yeah. Give me the give me the current guy. Unless yep. you can make that bat a seven. Then I think here's what you gotta do with Jackie Bradley Jr. Stop expecting him to have any kind of impact at the plate whatsoever, and your life will be a lot better for it. Yeah, I like that. Don't expect anything, you'll never be disappointed. Exactly. All right, Will Wickwist asks us another one here. Uh, what should they do with Pierce if he doesn't start hitting soon? And then we have another one right after it from Gary Hingham, uh, who says, uh, why does Cora keep playing Pierce and letting the streaky Moreland uh, sit? Uh, Pierce, Bradley, Leon, tough to win with a six-man lineup. Uh, so talking about the three guys who are definitely struggling on the team. Um, first of all, Leon is what he is. That's not going to change. Bradley, his struggles are well documented. He will get better. Um, Pierce. Pierce is the big question uh, for Gary and Will here. Um, I think Cora is attempting to let him hit his way through this because he is the most seasoned of seasoned professionals here, Steve Pierce. I mean, he's never done anything remotely like this. Um, yeah. and, and today he did actually uh, get a hit, get an RBI, and he walked. So I think that what we're starting to see glimpses of is him returning a little bit more to himself. But I wouldn't be shocked to see an IL stint, especially if uh, Holt and or Pedroia uh, come back pretty soon. Yeah, I think he kind of started to see it today where both of them played because uh, Martinez got the day off. So he kept Moreland's bat in the lineup. <clears throat> had Pierce DH so you could just get some at bats and try and kind of work through some things. I think you're probably going to start seeing more of that where um, Pierce gets in the lineup to give somebody a day off 
and maybe Martinez ends up in the outfield. I actually think that happened over the weekend too, didn't it? Yeah. With um, They gave JBJ the day off, so they put Martinez in the outfield and Pierce DH'd again. Yeah, and the thing here is, like, Moreland, no matter how good he's been this year, 12 home runs, uh, all 12 of those home runs came against righties, uh, and he's batting 158 in a small sample size against lefties. Um, and for his career, uh, he is a 239 hitter against lefties. So it's not like Moreland is so hot that it negates what has been a career-long struggle for him against lefties. And Pierce has done completely the opposite and mashed the hell out of lefties for his entire life. So I think Cora is just kind of letting him baseball player this thing out, you know, just get in there and figure it out. Yeah, that makes sense. But... I mean, Makes there, sense to me. There is a limit, though, right? Like, if, yes. if he's still doing this in, like, three weeks, like, all right, buddy, you got to go down and figure some things out. Yeah. I imagine he would elect free agency at that point. But, well, well who knows? Maybe yeah. he still really likes Boston and wants to stay. Yeah, that would break my heart. I love Steve Pierce so much. I want yeah. him to figure it out. Uh, Andrew Ray asks the next one. He says, do you think Raphael being the leader in steals is a sign they don't want to run or just a sign they believe in Rafi? What do you think? I think it's all Devers. Uh, the way that he's been picking and choosing, like, I don't think they are unwilling to run. Um, but like, do you think that the, like the play today with Bogarts on third, Devers on first, do you think that was Devers call, or do you think Cora called for that? Because that feels like all Devers to me. Uh, I tend to lean Cora there. I I don't know. I, I don't know that much happens on the field without Cora. Um, he seems to be pretty, pretty active in terms of in-game management type stuff. Um, I'm curious, why do you think it was Devers? The timing of it just felt like it wasn't in the uh, the air quotes book mm-hmm. of when you steal. Okay. So it felt like Devers picking an opportunity where he could catch the infield kind of on their heels. And that kind of ended up being exactly what happens. I'm forcing the errant throw to in the center field. Uh, so I don't, I don't necessarily think that was what he was going for, but I think that he was just trying to steal to catch them off guard, and that's what it felt like. Yeah, I agree with that. And I definitely wouldn't say that, like, just because the Red Sox stolen bases are down this year, that that means that Cora is any more down on theft. You know, I think that Cora yep. is still very adamant about being an aggressive base running team. I just think that situationally, especially – with them struggling so much early on that they just haven't had as many opportunities. But I think that they'll continue to be aggressive. And one of the things that might lend some credence to what you're talking about, Keaton, is just Cora's track record of really wanting to empower his players to kind of have some more freedom and and make plays uh, and kind of get in the flow of the game, I think, is something that he could be trying to do with, with Rafael Devers because he's been pretty open about challenging Devers you know we saw that all the way back to the beginning of the year when he was batting him third in the lineup you know he's he's not shy about pushing this 22 year old kid because I think that when Cora looks at him from a baseball standpoint he just sees this gobs and gobs of talent and uh, he's trying to kind of push some of that swagger into him to get him to unlock it 
And something else to note in particular with Mookie, Red Sox uh, stats had a number a, a little over a week ago, I think, that had um, this season Mookie's coming up to bat with runners on base about 20% more than he did last season. So when he's getting on base now, there's already a runner ahead of him much more frequently than there was last year. So I'm not sure he's just had the opportunities that he did last year because there's already somebody ahead of him that's more a, frequently this year. That's a great stat. And, like, <clears throat> anecdotally, I would definitely say that I've noticed that as well. So, um, But I'd like to, you know, kind of see Mookie get some more steals selfishly for my fantasy baseball teams. Agreed. Um, next one comes from Scott Nadell, and he says, Are Nunez and Pierce gone for Petey and Holt's return? Um, well, first of all, looking at the roster uh, right now, um, if uh, which, whichever of those guys comes up, um, it's going to be one of the bullpen guys who goes down because right now they're carrying eight men in the bullpen. So they'll probably uh, send down Weber or Brewer um, because those guys uh, have options. Um, or, or the other thing they could do, which I would be totally fine with, is DFA Tyler Thornburg, which would be really cool. <laughs> um, but I, I, I tend to think that this whole situation is going to work itself out. Um, even when multiple guys come back, I think you could see a phantom IL stint for Steve Pierce. Um, I don't know. There's no way Chavis goes down. Things are going to work themselves out. I don't think that we're going to get into a situation where the Red Sox really have to think about dropping Steve Pierce at this point. I don't know. What do you think? No, he's the one guy that I'm not sure about, to be honest. I'd be okay with Nunez. Um, as much as I like the guy as a clubhouse presence and ball player, just not get much out of him. And him and Holt essentially do the exact same thing. And I like Brock Holt more. Yeah, that's the limiting thing about the <clears throat> roster. If you add Holt and Pedroia to Eduardo Nunez, you have basically three of the same guy or very similar guy uh, on the roster aside from Sandy Leon. And I think that Steve Pierce, when he's right, uh, gives you a completely different different element off the bench, a guy that can play first base, left, and uh, really hit lefties. Yeah. I think they – I'm also becoming more and more convinced that we're just never going to see Pedroia again this season. Um, I know that they recalled him uh, – was it last Monday or last Thursday? Whatever it was. Yeah, they shut him down and they activated him again and he restarted his rehab stint. So he's, he's currently yeah. playing in games. He had a, a tough run where – uh, the field was wet, so they scratched him, and then something happened. Maybe they had a rain out. So he was losing days of games in his his rehab thing, so they had to activate him in order to restart the clock so they could play him another 20 games. But he still isn't at the point at AA where he's playing three games in a row. And that seems like he is a long way from joining the Red Sox. If he can't be used in you know that frequently, then I'm not sure what the point of even having him on the roster at that, at that point is. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that his return is pressing. I think that the thing that you're going to see right away is the return from Holt, and that's going to be the thing that comes up pretty pretty soon. Yep. 
Uh, Hector MLB <clears throat> Mode says Walden could be our hater. You're damn right he could be our hater. That dude is nasty. I mean, I was not expecting to have a guy who has a hater role on this team, but Sox could end up being one of the rare teams that has a true Josh Hader type role uh, in their bullpen. Comparing him to Hader, though, is a bit of a stretch. Josh Hader is doing absolutely ridiculous things on the mound. And Walden just being used for multiple innings, um, like near the back end, I'm not sure if that, that warrants Hader comparisons. As far as the role, maybe. But even Hader gets in there in the ninth for some saves. Uh, and essentially, Walden would be needing to strike out almost every batter he faces to be on par with what Hader's doing. Not poo-pooing what Walden is doing. I mean, we just gushed about him for like five minutes or so. Um, I just think uh, slapping the Hader label on him is a bit aggressive, but having that multi-inning utility shutdown reliever, uh, that's pretty handy. You know who's got more innings pitched than Josh Hader? Walden. Yeah, you know who's got a lower ERA than Josh Hader? I mean, it's not by a ton. It's by a run. It's by over a run. Those strikeouts, though. What's Uh, that strand rate? What's Walden's strand rate? uh, 100%. Walden's? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Haters. Haters is 100%. Walden's is 80.3%, which is ridiculous. That's huge. I mean, there's no way that Hater's going to keep up 100%, but... Hater is just kind of in a class of his own, which is a bit ridiculous. We had, and so we do our, for those that don't follow uh, the Dynasty Guru, you should. He was the third best reliever that we had ranked. And we're supposed to be doing those rankings off of standard 5x5 five five with saves instead of holds. And we still thought what he was bringing to fantasy was better than guys that actually had closer jobs locked down and were getting saves. That's, that speaks to how kind of just wild haters been but having that multi-inning utility guy for particularly for Cora who wants to use his bullpen just really in different flexible ways that's pretty handy for him to have yeah I think that one of the things we've seen from from this year is just that um Cora's bullpen usage has been completely different not having Kimberl around and um, that was one of the arguments I think it was Chad Finn was trying to make today as to why that they shouldn't go out and uh, re-sign him uh, or re-sign Kimbrell. And I disagree with the idea of not re-signing Kimbrell, but I do agree that uh, he's been able to use his bullpen more flexible in a more flexible way than he has in the past. Yeah, and I think to to try and have a better analogy of I don't think I did a really great job explaining the differences between Hader and Walden besides just listing their stats <laughs> that you and I were doing. So I kind of picture it like Tyler Skaggs is the number one starter for the Angels. So technically he's their ace, but he's not really an ace. Right. And that's kind of how I feel about Walden. Like he can fill that role. But he isn't that guy. Different ways, but he isn't that guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, But the fact that you're getting a Walden or a a hater light 
out of Walden, which I think is fair to say. I think you're getting like yeah. 80, 80, 80, 85% of what Hader is out of Walden. A guy that you weren't even expecting to really stay up with the team. I mean, he was supposed to be riding that shuttle back and forth between Pawtucket all season. Um, the fact that we're getting this out of him is shocking and amazing. Yep. Uh, our next question comes from Georgie, and he says, Is Chavis on track for Rookie of the Year? Also, I just found out that Devers has a three-year-old. How is this possible? Uh, also, who will eventually be the DFA, Nunez, or Holt? Uh, well, we already addressed the last part of that. So when a man and a lady love each other very much, um, sometimes they get together and out comes a baby. So that's what happened to Devers three years ago, apparently. Um he didn't give birth, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. Devers says a three-year-old. What of it, man? Plenty, plenty of nineteen-year-olds have kids. Uh, anyway, what do you think about uh, Chavis uh, being on track for Rookie of the Year? Do you buy into this at all? Right now, I believe uh, when Matt looked when we were on the pod today, I think he said five to one was the odds that he looked at. I don't know how accurate those are, but I think Vladdy's still got to be the the leader in the clubhouse, right? At this point. Yeah, and that just speaks more to the talent that Vlad has, uh, not to take anything away from Chavis, but I think we all kind of expect, and it's kind of started now recently with uh, the power and hits for Vlad have started to turn around. But, I mean, like if the season ended today, yeah, I would probably is. give it to him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only one that's close is Brandon Lowe, or Lau whichever power the hell you pronounce it. Um, but Chavis has done it in about half the games. And he has – so they basically have same stat line, except Chavis has half the strikeouts um, and more walks. And he's done the – you know, they put up together the exact same stat line in just half the games. So Chavis would be my vote, my very unbiased vote. Yeah. I mean, right now, it's definitely Chavis. I agree. I just don't think that he's going to be able to hold this up, and I don't think that the league is going to be able to hold back Vlad. I've just seldom seen a prospect uh, with that hit tool and power combo. I don't know if I've ever seen a prospect with that power hit tool combo. It's ridiculous. I was pissed that he wasn't playing today because I didn't get to watch him. Yeah, I think the only thing that can really hold him back, which you kind of already alluded to, is just the, like if he gets the Bonds treatment yeah, and gets walked 200 times and just doesn't get a chance. Like they just take the bat completely out of his hands because of the lineup that's around him. I mean, he's already being pitched like Paul Goldschmidt was in his prime, like now as a 20-year-old. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's going to get walked a shitload this year. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, our next one comes from another very loyal listener, Gordon Comstock. He says, if Jackie Bradley Jr. is still batting under 200 with zero home runs come June 15th, is he the starting center fielder? Well, good for you, Jackie Homer, today. So, booyah. Um, (laughs) Bet you feel silly. (laughs) If Jackie uh, is batting under 200 by June 15th, I think he starts to lose more playing time than than he has already. I mean, he's already had his playing time cut a little bit, but... I think he's ultimately still the starting center fielder. Who else would you play in, in front of him? Right, because right now, basically what you'd be doing is you'd be swapping JBJ for Nunez. I'd rather have JBJ's defense than Nunez's bat. Yeah, and even if you like 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of ways that make that more tenable. Like, I guess if Pedroia were to come back, he could take some reps at DH and Martinez could be in the field. But then you're downgrading in the field in really two spots. And I don't know. I just want him to figure it out. Let's just hope he figures it out and we don't have to make this decision. There's There's, like... If Jackie Bradley continues not to hit, there are like no great options. Um, so let's let's get the great option. Let's, let's except two questions down. Oh no, we have uh, from the rum smuggler. Uh, that's illegal. Are we at the closest we'll get to seeing Roosney? This is a ridiculous question. Um, by a ridiculously named man, but I like that you're the rum smuggler. Um, we're never going to see Rusney, so I guess this is the closest we're going to get to seeing Rusney. Why is it a ridiculous question, though? Because we're never going to see Rusney. <clears throat> Why? Because of his monies. Well, yeah, which is stupid. So, personally, I'm in camp. They didn't give him enough run when he was on the 40-man roster. And the fact that he's not on the 40-man roster now really hurts. And the fact that they still have to pay him $12 million, that would put them over that whatever that stupid third bar is that they just seem like so mortally terrified of passing. Like, guys, so so what, you have to give like $8 million more to the league. Like, who the hell cares? But he's put up pretty decent numbers at AAA. I would, I think that they didn't give him enough run when uh, they first had him that I want to see more and I've wanted to see more. But you're right. It's never going to happen because as soon as they pulled him off the 40 man, that was it. He was I, just going to play in AAA and collect his millions of dollars. I totally disagree that they didn't give him enough run. I saw 99 games of professional MLB baseball uh, from him, and he is not a MLB starter, in my opinion. And if... Someone in the league really thought he was a sure thing, lockstep, you know, MLB surefire starting center fielder. Um, they would trade for him because 12 million is not like some prohibitive number at this point, and the Red Sox would love to get rid of him. So the fact that no one in Major League Baseball has volunteered to, you know, trade a bucket of bolts for this guy just to take on his money and let him play just tells you everything you need to know about Rusni Castillo, in my opinion. Well, at this point, he's like 34. No, Castillo's How old 31. Is he? Yeah. He's not that old. He was a lot younger when they got him than I thought. I thought he was like 28. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, I, I'm i on board, Rum Smuggler. I want to see him. Well, you and Rum Smuggler can go smuggle some rum together and take a little train ride down to Pawtucket. How about that? Yeah, may, may have, we may be having a little too much rum. <laughs> Travis Lohman has our next question. He says, how good would the Astros pitching staff actually be if their strike zone was the same size as the rest of the league? So I didn't actually get to see almost any of the games except for Sunday's game because I was on a plane most of the time. Um, but did you notice that their strike zone was really bad this weekend? No, and to, honestly, to me, like, complaining about the strike zones, like, complaining about traveling in the NBA, everybody does it. They're not going to call it. Like, the strike zone for – my biggest pet peeve is not that, like, 
balls a few inches off the plate are getting called strikes. It's when it's inconsistent. Like if the umpire is given the outside corner, just give it the whole game so the pitchers at least know what they can and can't do to get guys out. If it's intermittent that you're giving it to them and then sometimes it's on the inside and then you're letting the low ones go or something like that so they have absolutely no idea where they need to throw the ball to get strikes, that's frustrating. and I think it leads to a poor quality product, but the majority of the umpires are pretty good at calling the same things consistently. So, I mean, if you're going to complain about the strike zone, I don't know if there's an option to uh, contact whatever your your broadcast is to turn off the little strike zone box, <laughs> but uh, maybe that's the route that you need to go. I, I hate complaining about balls and strikes because that they're freaking human beings. It's damn near impossible. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you said. I think you said it well. So, yeah. Um, next question comes from Craig McCormick, and he says, "Will the Red Sox have another alumni game this season?" Um, so I did some quick googling here, and it seems that uh, they only did that thing last year because it was the first one in 25 years. Uh, that they had had at Fenway. So it seems like something that they do incredibly infrequently. Um, and it seems that there are also no plans to do it again this year. So unfortunately, no. Um, next and final last question comes from Zach, um, who is a big Zoidberg guy. So nice. I agree. Let it ride, Zach. Uh, will Dombrowski address the bullpen ever? Will he add to this bullpen? I would be shocked if Dombrowski does not add to this bullpen this year. Yeah, I think the trade deadline is going to be where they make their nut, and they're going to add. I feel like it has to be at least two. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it'll be two, but I definitely think it's going to be at least one. I would love it to be two, but yeah, yeah. Give me one, and give me one of the one of the youngins who's finally pitching well, like a Derb or a uh, yeah. Darwin's in, and I'll I'd be, be good happy. with that. Yeah. Or um, Denny Reyes is on the 40-man roster, too. He might be an option. He's been hot shit, though, lately. He has. He has not been good. <laughs> he's been really, really bad. Uh, he's going to have to figure some things out because I don't think his stuff can play at the major league level right now. Um, but that about does it for Probably this. Probably not. Oh, you got it. Um, so... Uh, Keats, any last thoughts before we close this sucker out? Because I, I think I just, I, I caught you mid-thought there. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think, uh, Reyes can get guys out of the major league level right now, but in two months, come the trade deadline, maybe he's improved enough that he just might be an option, or maybe that, that would be more of like a September move for him. Yeah, probably not. Never mind. You, you're right. You convinced me. You convinced me not. <laughs> All right, that didn't take much work, but uh, nope, it did. <laughs> this uh, this this show is brought to you by me and Keaton. Um, so if you listened, thank you. Uh, if you're a new listener, uh, stick with us, subscribe to us. If you're an old listener, uh, thank you for continuing to listen to us. Uh, make sure you rate and review us, uh, Keaton. You want to tell the people about uh, the little contest we have going on for the next? Uh, I don't know what is it, eleven more days after this that they can win a chance to get a copy of OOTP baseball. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to win a copy of out of the park baseball for your computer and your pleasure, 
all you have to do is give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. And then if you would please, this is the most important part, so really pay attention to this one. Because no one's done it yet. Yeah. We have absolutely no way of contacting you through the review. So we need you to take a little screenshot ski and then tweet us your screenshot so we know who you are so that we can send you uh, a copy because we've gotten some reviews but when we haven't received any like we got we got a few reviews since we announced that we were doing this for the whole month of may and no one has sent a screenshot so we don't know who any of them are so right now your odds are really great because if you're the only one who sends us a screenshot we're gonna have to pick you because you're the only one we can contact <laughs> so right now your odds are looking great and if you're someone who has already given us a review, please screenshot your review and then send it to us so we can count it. Because we don't want your uh, – well, I mean it would be nice if you left us a review without us having to bribe you. But we don't want uh, your review to go unnoticed. Yeah, and that's just the thing there is we've gotten so many nice reviews from people over the years. Um, and we really appreciate them. And we want to be able to like give you a little bit of a shout-out for doing those and uh, – you know, give you a free copy of a cool game as well. So make sure you're either shooting those over to myself on Twitter or Keaton on Twitter. Um, you can find Keats at uh, at the Keaton, the Spoken Keats, um, and you can find me at, at Dev Jake. Uh, really follow us there and uh, tweet at us uh, those pictures, and uh, you know we'd be happy to happy to give you that copy. Um, and uh, we'll be with you at this. Same time-ish next week. We'll probably be back to our Sunday schedule um, because hopefully I won't be on a flight, God willing. Uh, so thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, Keaton, thank you. And we'll be with you next time. Sounds good, man.